Hey Schmazettes, you're listening to Listen. Listen with Patty and Emily. I'm Patty. And I'm Emily. Five, six, seven, eight. Patty and Emily most obsessively talking about all your favorite Broadway shows. Patty and Emily thoughts and comedy from Broadway superfans. From Broadway superfans. Happy Leap Day, Emily. Oh, yeah. It's a special day. Yeah. Once every four years. I have to say, as a person that was raised in the Jewish community, Leap Day is a little anticlimactic to me because in the Jewish calendar, like every 12 years, you get a whole month. Wow. That's how the Jewish calendar deals with the, uh, you know, the extra. Oh, I see. That makes sense. Okay, okay. So I'm like, one day extra, whatever. (laughs) Save up all those free days and get a whole month. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know, taking a long vacation. (laughs) Hoarding your vacation days. Yeah. (laughs) That's interesting. I don't know that I knew that. It sounds That's why all the Jewish count, all the Jewish holidays float around. The, sure, uh, sure. The calendar that we use. Hmm. What's that well, one called? Well, I mean, I know Gregarian? that it's a different calendar and it's a different year and all of that thing, that stuff. I just don't – it does sound a little familiar, so I feel like I did know it at some point. I don't know. Well, Jewish. listen, I have to apologize to a couple of white men. <laughs> um, I said that Tracy Lutz is in The Humans – which, to, to be fair, I did know that not to be true. I just said his name. Right. And um, I didn't know who was in that play. So. Sure. Reed Bernie, in fact, is in that play. <laughs> so funny. Um, and I remember when uh, a few people corrected me on this, which, thank you, I appreciate it, because I don't know that I would have realized that I said it hmm. unless I, like, listened back to it or something. But I remember sitting there watching Reed Bernie play this sort of schlubby, um, lower middle class male character and just thinking like, oh, remember him in Casa Valentina? <laughs> uh, but yes, not Tracy Letts. Although, to be fair, if you look at photos of them, I think you can uh, understand where that... Hey, uh, hey you never need to explain wow. mixing up white men to me. No, not to you. Not I know that life. I'm all yeah. about that life. <laughs> well, listen, I'm very sorry, middle-aged white man. I apologize for this grave injustice I've done to you. <laughs> I saw a couple of shows this week. Yeah, we did. Shows, shows, shows. Yeah, we it's saw... definitely getting, I'm like, oh, March is tomorrow. Oh my God, next week? Like this, what? like March. not this. Yeah, no, March is tomorrow, but next week, uh, uh, we have so many things happening next week. We do. Well, maybe next, just next week. Maybe just I do next next week. Why you make me nervous? Well, we're seeing disaster, and we're seeing that parade concert, and we're oh, seeing yeah. boy. There are a lot of good. And things then I'm up. seeing old hats with Meg. Oh yeah. 
And then we have that dinner on the 12th. It's going to be springtime <laughs> on Broadway. Sp- Lots of shows to see. Springtime on Broadway. <laughs> um, yeah, but we saw. So right now the Frigid Festival is going on in New York. Uh, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a show. Me either. At, at the Frigid Festival. It, you know, I was aware of it. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that. You know, I was able to see something and learn a little more about it. Mm-hmm. One of the things that the Frigid representative said is that they're the only festival that gives all the money back to the performers and the, well, the productions rather. And I guess it's mm-hmm. up to the productions how they distribute that, which which was very interesting to me. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It's great um, the because show, they're not only giving you a platform to be able to show your work, but it's not just, you know, you're not just volunteering yourself for right. the exposure. That's what I was going to say. To get yourself out there. The exposure, Emily. Hmm. Um, well, the show that we saw was Emily Dickinson, Paranormal Investigator. God damn it. I want... If this could be turned into a television show, I'd have a solid seven to ten seasons. I mean, it's a good procedural and like a fantasy. This is what I was trying to decide as I was watching it, if we would consider it fantasy or sci-fi. Sometimes that line is hard, is like a little blurry. But I mean, I, it doesn't I, really matter. I don't. Yeah, think. I don't know. I don't know. I also people, think lots really of the time matters. that section is fantasy slash sci-fi. Right. Well, anyway, it, that's a thing that's happening now on TV. So it would have a good niche. Um, <sighs> it was just so funny and great and like irreverent. Hmm. There were a lot of like very specific science things that I could tell were were like real (laughs) (laughs) that you're like you put a lot of effort into to getting these details right right which I always appreciate definitely yeah it was fucking hilarious I I enjoyed myself thoroughly Mm -hmm. and the cast was fucking phenomenal yeah everybody in that cast was amazing Mm -hmm. really great and the play was written by Todd Brian Backus, and it was directed by Ben Ferber, who are Hot Pepper Theater, members Ooh. of Folio Group. Full disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's really, really good. It's only 10 bucks, you guys. So if you're in the New York area, you should go see it. They have two more performances. One uh, tomorrow night, May uh, March 1st. That one's at 10.30 p.m. So mm. take a disco nap. And on Sunday, March 6th at 5, 10 p.m. It's only like mm. an hour. I mean, I could have had so much more of it. But oh, like, my God, right? I'm telling you, give me 10 seasons. 10 seasons. Each season has 24 episodes. <laughs> like old oh, school. Oh, oh, my God. Like if I could go to my Netflix right now and be like, you have 10 seasons of Emily Dickinson, Paranormal Investigator, I my life would be filled with so much joy because I would be like, great, I'm going to watch this whole series. It sounds amazing. Yeah. Oh my God, it was just so funny. It was so funny and so smart and so brilliant. Mm-hmm. And so the cast, since we just thought they were so great, um, are Heather Harvey, Brianna Sakamoto, Daniel Morgan Shelley, Marina Shea, and Lee Poulos. 
It was a pretty, it was also really, it was great to watch how the small cast worked such a, what felt like a large show in a small space and with a low budget. But like, like when they came, you know, I was aware of how small the cast was, but when they came out to do their bows, I was like, holy shit. No. Yeah. It really was just those people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So cool. And I love like a historical fiction. Mm Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of fun with that. Like, what's not to love about a black Emily Dickinson being like, I got to bust these ghosts up, y'all? Well, yeah. Uh, Obviously, if you look this show up, you'll see very non-traditional casting. By non-traditional, we just mean they weren't like, everyone's white. Right. Even with historical figures. You know, and we've talked about it, and I'll be the first to admit that I think for a while it took my brain a long time to process that. Sure. Um, just because you think that that needs to be a part of the, of the character's identity because it's a part of the person's identity. But as we've discussed, just like with fictional characters, if the race is not a factor, it doesn't necessarily then have to be a factor with the person, even if they were historically a white person. Right. And yeah, well, it's also like just like like performance based because I feel like I don't actually know very much about Emily Dickinson, but I the guy that was playing Edgar Allan Poe, mm-hmm. like I also don't know much about him, but I feel like I know more contextual stuff about him being like uh, broody and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was like, I was like, oh my God, I just feel like this is so spot on for Edgar Allan Poe, like having that crow on his shoulder and just being like, oh, mystery. So funny. Oh, Emily. Well, and I, again, all of these things I sort of have associated with how I felt about them in high school. So they're not probably very accurate as to how I would feel now. But my associations with Edgar Allan Poe and Emily Dickinson are like, ugh, you guys just get over it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know any of their work. I mean, it's just, you know, she was like tortured. And I think realistically she was. And as an angsty teenager, my reaction to other people's angst was like, ugh. Isn't that still your reaction to people's? I mean, you're much more respectful. I I liked that I was able to see these two historical characters in a completely different light. (laughs) Not like. Than what I associated them with from my like nonsense opinion as a 16 year old. See, that is also so interesting because I don't think I, I don't remember studying either of them in high school or anything. And like, I understand having the association of like, oh yeah, they were like tortured artists is sort of my association also. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like I, this show showed me them in a different light. I felt like, I mean, I feel like both of them were still had that but then we're also ghost hunters i don't know yeah, it's well, funny and, and interesting to me that you were like you were like they're just angsty bastards and then you watch this and you're like hmm, ghost well, hunters. because it's also <laughs> also how i see that now hmm. you know what i mean like it was very um I don't know. I made quick opinions then. That's true. And kept with them. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I may have that even initial reaction now to someone, but that doesn't mean I'm going to just continue to think of them that way for eternity, (laughs) which is what I thought then. Right. 
I don't know. So thank you. Thank you, uh, Ben and Todd, for reintroducing Emily Dickinson mm. and Edgar Allan Poe to me. Mm. And um, 10 seasons of a television program stat. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. So go see this show. I'm sure it'll have many more iterations. It's, you know, in its early stages, just like any sort of festival show is. So keep your mm. eyes and ears out. Their co- company, the theater company is called Power Out NYC. Yeah. So look into that as well. And they also have tarot cards. Oh, yeah. The tickets were tarot cards. Tarot that was card. very cool. Tarot cards. Tarot cards? Yeah. Wait, but aren't they not tarot cards? There's something else. I didn't get that joke, but I appreciated the specificity of it. Right, (laughs) right. I know. I was like, I don't know what that other reference is, but clearly it's very smart. Right, because someone in the audience was like, (laughs) they thought it was like the funniest thing. I mean, I'm assuming whatever it was that she said is another form of card, mystical card reading. Cards or whatever. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. It was good. It was good. We also went to a concert last night featuring Kate Baldwin. Kate Baldwin wearing a jumpsuit, singing songs with her friends. Oh, she looks so good. <laughs> uh, I mean, e- I, I ask am, her more, but she looked so good. I'm a little bit worried that that there was no professional photographer that, there last night mm. to uh, uh, photograph her. In that mm. jumpsuit. It's very important. She looked amazing. Yeah, I'm not sure that there was. Bummer. Towards the end of the show, I was literally like, oh my God, maybe I can be like Kate Baldwin. If you do these concerts again, let me film it. I'll film it mm-hmm. for you for free. But you have to let me into the concert for free. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, she is doing another concert, this same a series, Kate Baldwin and Friends, March 21st. Be there. I'll be there. So it's super. It was so great. This, this, so the idea of this concert series, I'm not sure if it's just these two and then they're testing the waters or what, but that, you know, it's called Kate Baldwin and Friends. So I think each concert, certainly this one, is going to be featuring a specific composer and then she'll have mm. her, her buddies come and sing with her. Yes. And this month, it was Michael John Nicuza, Uh, and he's so good. Oh, my God. It was wonderful. It was Kate Baldwin and fucking Katie Thompson and Allison Blackwell and Alexander Giamatti. Like, it was just so amazing. It was so great because all those people are fantastic, and also they're all people who, even in concert settings, perform their songs like 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 actor performance songs not just singing you know what i mean yeah i do Uh, it's basically like we watched 20 minutes of giant again uh uh-huh oh my uh god katie thompson oh katie thompson wrecked all of us oh my god that song that song is great that definitely would have been on my cd of unrequited love songs that i made in college <laughs> of course, uh, of course. <laughs> you wanted a girl. Yeah. <laughs> Who hates? Oh my god. Who hates Dusty Rhodes? So good. I love Giant. Oh. Yeah. God, I was like, like full on crying. 
I know you got the neck tears and everything. The neck tears. Oh, so I don't know. I was kind of for whatever reason yesterday. Anyway, on like some sort of emotional edge. I'm not sure what was happening with my hormones or whatever, but um, I was ready to ready for tears. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Sometimes you just need a good cry. I watched Philomena in the afternoon. Maybe that's why. That's a beautiful movie. You should watch it. Haven't seen it. It's about old people. It's on Netflix. <laughs> Um, actually, I think it would make an interesting play, but it's about, it's based on a true story. A Irish woman got pregnant out of wedlock and was like sent to a nunnery and had the baby. And then they took the baby away. He was like a toddler and she lived her life for the rest of her life. And then on what would have been his 50th birthday, like revealed to her daughter that, this had happened and her daughter got her um, hooked up with a journalist Mm. and he helped her find out what happened to her son. Cool. I won't go into it more because it's not as, you know, simple as that. And I actually didn't, that's as much as I knew about it. Mm. Um, And it was a much more interesting story after that part. Cool. Anyway, Dame Dame Judy Dench. (laughs) Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always. Mm-hmm. Why are we talking about Philomena? Oh, right, because I was, like, teary all day. <laughs> 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 and Kate Baldwin didn't help. Mm. I mean, she did, because... She let you... She let... She gave... Provided you with the opportunity to express all your emotions. Exactly. Exactly. <sighs> yeah, she sang songs from Giant. Mm-hmm. I didn't songs. know. I, I it made me realize that I'm not as familiar with Lacuse's scores mm-hmm. um, as I sort of think I am, maybe because uh, I felt like a lot of the songs I was like, I know th- what show this is from, and I know what character maybe is singing this, but I actually don't know this song. Yeah, the um, ones that I know, I know really well, like Giant mm-hmm. and See What I Want to See, but the mm-hmm. rest. Like, there's a few songs from His Wild Party that I know, but not too many. I don't know Hello Again at all, but I loved the songs, the song Mm. that she sang, and I don't know Little Fish at all, and I loved the songs that she sang from that. Wait, so which song are you talking about from Hello Again? Because she sang a couple of songs from Hello Again. Oh, I was just thinking of that first one. Maybe I didn't oh, realize yeah. what no, other that one was hel- right. Okay, Hello so again. the the other song she sang about like I could be the senator's mistress. Oh, that's, that's a great also song. from Hello Again. Yeah, okay. that makes yeah, sense. Because I'm like kind of, of familiar it. with Hello Again because I like I I think I've listened to it maybe listened to it through like once or twice like a while mm-hmm. ago. You know when I was going through my investigate everything that Carolee Carmelo has ever sung right. phase. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, when she started singing that, I realized I was like, oh, I'm not even sure if these are Carrie Lee songs or Donna Murphy songs. Because mm. I didn't, I don't know, I don't, didn't remember who Carrie Lee played. Sure. Or which, which tracks she played. But I was like, hey, Baldwin, sing Carrie Lee Garbello songs. Yeah. Also, <laughs> it was so interesting just because I love the these ladies equally and but they have such different voices to hear mm. Kate Baldwin sing a song that Mary Testa sang mm. in See What I Want to See. Yeah. Also, a song that I kind of skip because that show's weird and I love it, but it 
like it's you either sort of listen to it all together or there are only certain songs that you really mm. want to listen to on their own. And that's not one of them. I get you. <laughs> but it I get reminded you. me of like what a beautiful song it is. And, oh, I should listen to the second act of that show like from start to finish soon. <laughs> Ugh, Wait, Testa. can we talk about one of the best parts of the concert when yeah. she told a story about how she met Michael John Lacusa? Oh, my God. And I gasped. It was the best story because basically, like, they used to live in the same neighborhood and, like, like several years ago before they'd ever met and Kate Baldwin was, like, fangirl and would see him, like, at the grocery store or something and just be like, oh, yeah, that's my cold chocolate kiss. And then, like, never, ever talk to him. Mm-hmm. And then one day she was, like, at the grocery store on her day off and some, you know, tap, tap on the shoulder, oh, Kate Baldwin. And it was <laughs> That's what Michael. I gasped. It was Michael John Lacusa. And he was like, um, I, I really hate to bother you. I'm so sorry. I, you're on your day off and doing things, and, I, and I'm so sorry. But do you want to play the lead in this new musical that I'm writing? It's called Giant. <laughs> uh, like can you imagine like like can you can you imagine can you just imagine being yeah. Kay Baldwin and being like oh my god I'm such a fan and then one day he knock, he's like tap tap do you want to star in my new musical uh, yes hello nice to meet you do you want to star in my new musical oh and then it was it's her most treasured theatrical experience I love that and I, I totally get that I mean seeing it I don't know mm-hmm. the rest of her life, but all of the things that I've seen her in, um, she holds a lot of them very special, the way she described her experiences yeah, yeah, yeah. in them. Um, and I can see how that one is like her most treasured. Definitely. Uh, Ugh, I wish I'd seen it more I know, than once. me too. Maybe some, maybe, maybe, maybe they'll do it again and do the whole yeah, thing. all four hours, do please. The, uh, do the that four was a cute version. story too she told about Sheldon Harnick came to see it she said <laughs> my friend Sheldon oh. Harnick um oh god that was a great 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 yeah role. and she said at the after the show he was like you told me this was going to be three hours and it was only two hours and 48 minutes I want my 12 minutes mm, that's so funny I always want 12 more minutes of Kate Baldwin yes oh what a nice thing to say she's the best I also really liked at the end of the show before they sang their last number uh ever the ladies Alex didn't really, uh, like, come up with anything. But, like, Kate, Katie and Alice Blackwell were like, we're going to just tell you how great you are right now. I know. That was and so Kate sweet. Kate Baldwin was like, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I know, right? Because she hates things that are unscripted. Yeah. She doesn't know what's going to happen. And they were like, stand here. We're going to say nice things to you. And she was like, what? No. What? What? Oh. Oh, God. I'm so Alice Blackwell was like, this is happening. <laughs> it was so cute. It was great. Oh, it was so much fun. It was just fun. It was like, it was such a fun, easy night where you're like, oh, you know what we should just do? You know, just on a random night, just get to hear Kate Baldwin sing lots of pretty things and Katie Thompson. (laughs) I love Katie Thompson's voice so much. Oh, it's so great. It's It's so so much like warmth in it. And like. (sighs) I'm going to put all of her albums on my phone today so Mm. I can listen to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so there's going to be another one, March 21st, at the Monday. Sheen Center. Also, like, a really great space. Yeah. Hey, New never space, been in that downtown. space. Nice no. little concert concert theater. Yeah, and there's a black box downstairs. The house manager was telling us all about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. 
March 21st. I'm putting it in my calendar. Okay, so we got an email from Chad Taylor in Florida. Hey, Chad Taylor in Florida. Some shenanigans are happening down there. It's Florida, so (laughs) no offense to any of our listeners who may be in Florida, but not surprising. Yep. The city of Ocala is putting on, well, the city's not, but a production of the Vagina Monologues is happening um, with another show that I believe is a burlesque show, and a concerned citizen is trying to get them to stop it. What? Wait, like, what was their, what was their, the reason their is, context? Right. I, I actually read the article. <laughs> <laughs> Good for me, patting myself on the back. Um, they're city buildings that they're using. So this person does not think that the there's like a um, like a respectability clause in leasing city buildings, and so this person does not think that these shows are respectable. Oh my god! Get over yourself. That's disgusting. That's just so stupid. That's just so fucked up. Because it's, it's 2016. just like, are you fucking mm-hmm. kidding me? Like, it's fucking vagina. It's a fucking vagina. Get over it. It's a thing that I've never really understood because even, even like the word penis, it's the same sort of thing. Like, obviously there's more stigma on the female side because men make the rules because patriarchy, but even like the word penis, people don't like to say it. Like, those things are not inherently dirty or sexual. Right, it's a penis. It's a vagina. They're body parts on bodies. So, like, especially like, whatever. I just, I know, I know, I know. So I know, but angry. I wanted to get this out there. We were reached out to. It's important. I tweeted out a petition. When I tweeted it out, there were like twenty five hundred signatures, maybe. Um, now there's over 6,000. I'm pretty sure it was all you guys mm-hmm. um, that signed it. All our 6,000 followers. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but they're having a meeting at the city council or whatever tomorrow, March 1st. So I just wanted to give it a last push. Mm. Let, let the city of Ocala know that the internet and the people of the United States and the world do not think this is okay. Uh, and there's nothing questionable or disrespect disrespectable no unrespectable Mm. what's the word Uh, disrespectful whatever ain't nothing wrong with a pussy play (laughs) or god i fucking i just i'm so i hate society i hate i hate it i hate it i hate it i'm so it's just such it's just such i was like I don't know, so many. I feel like every day the newspapers. I'm I'm just like, where? What's happening? The world is garbage right now. But like literally the other day, I was like, um, if everybody could just like get right with their sexuality, honestly, world peace would happen. That's what I think. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? Think, well, sure, but. Getting that to happen is not as well, sure, simple I mean, as what you think that solution is. Well, I yeah. certainly don't, in saying that, think that that's simple. But I'm just saying that 
if people weren't so, if, you know, people weren't so fucked up about sex, there'd be a lot less problems in the world. Mm. Like if Kanye was like, you know what I like? Hashtag a finger in my booty ass, bitch. And I love it. And everyone would be like, cool, Kanye. That's all right. We're not bothered by that. Maybe he wouldn't be so fucked up. (laughs) That hashtag is one of my favorite hashtags ever. It's a pretty good one. Oh, it's so funny. Now I just like whenever he tweets something that I can vaguely connect to that. I like to retweet it with the hashtag. Mm -hmm. So he'll just like tweet random things and I'll be like, retweet hashtag fingers in the booty ass bitch. Because it's so funny. Anyway, well, be cool with your genitals. And be cool to other people and how they feel about their genitals. Yeah. And just don't worry about things that don't affect you. Mm-hmm. Don't go. Actually read what you're protesting because <sighs> I'm pretty sure that person has not. No, definitely not. Oh, stop. A play about vaginas, that is inappropriate. Well, like, especially if especially if you're just going off the name. If you read it, I can understand how, not objectionable, but like how you would think this may not be appropriate for certain ages or like a conversation needs to be had before or after seeing this, which is always right. true. But it just, uh, my guess is they're like, oh, vagina. Yeah. So that petition's out there. I tweeted it from our account. Take a look at it. Sign it. Spread it around. Uh, If it's too late, if you're listening to this after the fact, go and just give your support to this this company. Insomniac Theater is, I believe, who is producing it. That's where Chad Taylor is from. So good luck. I hope it all works out. I hope you're able to do your show. Same. And haters back off. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Not a ton of announcements this week, but some big ones. Mm. Uh, Falsettos has been announced again. (sighs) Falsettos. Uh, We've been burned before, so. Wait, this season? For next season. Next season. Yes. It's supposed to open in the fall. It does have a theater. Which is more than it had before. It's going to be in the Walter Kerr. Ah. Does Walter Kerr have something going into it right now, now that Gentleman's Guide closed? Uh, I'm not sure. I can look it up. Um, I think one of the differences in this is that Lincoln Center is teaming up with Jujamson. So that's why I think maybe... It'll stick. They got a little more power behind it. Hmm. Interesting. But, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I mean, when things like I'm this happen, sh- it's scary. Yeah. It's like, okay, I want to see it. <laughs> I want to see it. Yeah. Make it happen. Mm-hmm. Mm, hold on. I'm just seeing what, what may or may not be in the... The Walter Kerr, but I'm looking at Playbill's new website, and I'm still working it out. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know where it is. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. 
I okay. Here's my question about falsettos. Okay, especially since not it's not happening until the fall. I don't really know it. Okay, I know people have so much love for it. Mm-hmm. Do I want to make myself familiar? Do I want to familiarize myself with it? Or do I want to go into it fresh? I mean, I think go into it fresh. I actually don't. I know like it a little bit, but I don't know it super well. And I don't know most of the music. Um, but I also have a feeling that this show is going to feel extremely dated. And that it's going to, like, it's viewing this show is going to be like when we went to go see Rent most recently. Mm. Where we were like, Rent, it's really good. It's Rent. It's the 90s. And, you know, it's very 90s. Like, from what I know of falsettos. Right. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm aware you know, of that as well. So I guess so. it depends on if they're going to treat it like the Heidi Chronicles, where at least we thought that worked and it felt mm-hmm. more like mm-hmm. a period piece and a reflection of history versus mm-hmm. trying to present it as new while still keeping it mm-hmm. as is, which I think is where the dated feeling comes in that people get from things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very curious because lots of, you know, it's like it's like watching Will and Grace, mm. you know, and you're like, oh, man, I know how progressive this felt when it was happening, <laughs> yeah. but it is such garbage now. It is such offensive garbage now. And I still hold it, cherish it because it got me through high school and all that. But, you know, if I, I haven't watched Will and Grace in a long time, actually, but I'm sure I would go back and watch it and be like, wow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, well, you uh, we're, we're talking about, you know, the Mary Tyler Moore show. It's like it's hard to watch those things from a modern perspective and you really have to make yourself understand what it took to get those now tired mm. jokes to us on the air. Right. To even tell that story that you're like, how is this a working lady (laughs) well yeah yeah because it's like oh my god look there's this flamboyant gay man on a sitcom that's so cool and then but you're also like oh man they really don't give those characters the you know i don't know the respect they deserve but it's also actually one of those things that i find really funny about sitcoms is Because I remember, like, having conversations with people being, uh, you know, gay people who are like, uh, like, the gay care, it's just, it's so offensive because they're just stereotypes. And I'm like, but aren't the entire cast of Friends stereotypes? It's a sitcom. Everyone's a stereotype. That's, so we're just getting the same treatment. We get to be gay stereotypes. I mean, obviously, that's the problem. Well, sure. It's just funny. It's hard to do those broad sort of characters on a sitcom. And I think musicals can often suffer from the same sort of thing. Yeah. And certainly that's what a lot of people who don't like musicals feel about musicals. Mm-hmm. That it's just sort of like broad and big characters. Right. And it's hard to find the nuance and the humanity in them sometimes. I mean, look, Guys and Dolls, mm. seen good productions of that show and I've seen bad productions of that show and the bad productions are usually because those characters are just portrayed as their surface level types. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. So I guess we'll see. 
I, I like the idea of going in fresh too. I just, I guess I sort of wanted confirmation that you thought that was a good idea to fall. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm going to stay clean. I'm not going to. Good. Let's do it. Let's stay do it. Let's clean. stay clean. Straight edge. <laughs> We're going straight edge for falsettos. Oh, yeah. Harvey Weinstein's at it again. <laughs> What's he fucking doing this time? <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was funny to say that. He is producing Singing in the Rain, starring Derek Huff. Where? Uh, on Broadway. Oh, on Broadway. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wait, what? <laughs> when? Um, it's the so this is the production that was at that French theater where American in Paris was like worked out. Okay. Um, let's see if there are dates in here. It's you know just the preliminary announcements. So it's probably as vague as possible. We're doing a show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, I have no idea. Actually, I'm. Oh, next season. Okay. There were no dates. It just says next season. Interesting. Expected next season. So that's vague, 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 vague. <laughs> it's weird. I don't um, know. I really it, enjoyed him in, in the Spring Spectacular. Yeah. I mean, I like those huffs. Performer, so. Those huffs are great. Yeah. They're problematic. <laughs> I mean... But yes, they're very entertaining. <laughs> they're talented dancers yeah. who uh, think blackface is okay. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> well, they did, do, they did do the number singing in the rain in the Spring Spectacular. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was with all the umbrellas. It right. was raining. Well, they better have real rain realness in this show. Yeah. Maybe it'll just be projections. No, fuck you. It better be real (laughs) fucking rain. Leap of Faith had real fucking rain falling on the stage. Singing in the Rain better have real fucking rain on that stage. Yeah. Remember that Jake Gyllenhaal play where they threw all the furniture into a pool? Oh, it was so cool and I didn't really understand it. Me either. But I do remember that. I mean, it was all a metaphor for global warming. Well, there it is. I don't know. There's nothing else in this story. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll see, Huffs. <laughs> Thanks, Harvey. Judy Kuhn is leaving Fun Home for a short period of time. Oh, Judy Kuhn. She's having hip surgery. Speedy recovery from your hip surgery. And she's being replaced by Rebecca Luker. It's pretty great. How long is yeah. she out for? Well, Rebecca's will be in April 5th through May 22nd. So almost two months, maybe six weeks. Hmm. And then Judy Kuhn is expected to come back that next performance, the twenty May 24th. Cool. I don't know. I guess I did see Rebecca Luker and Mary Poppins. I Was she still in it? Maybe I didn't. I don't know. I have no clue. I don't know that I've ever seen her in a show. I think I've only ever seen her in a concert. And also, when you thought Emily Skaggs was not in, but she's also supposed to return. Oh. On March 24th. Oh. What did she, what's she up to? Why? This says she was on leave in order to film TV work. Oh, good for her. Yeah, whatever that means. 
Oh, well, maybe shit. she went to do pilot season, but so maybe she booked a pilot. Well, yeah. Well, speaking of Fun Home, I saw Fun Home this week. You did? I went to see Fun Home with my mom. I know. It was great, yeah. Um, Is and your mom it, a crier? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. yeah. Is she time. like in tears? Big time. Big time. Oh, good. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> um, yeah, it was cool because I got to see Gabriella Pizzolo, mm-hmm. who is the new small Allison, who was right. the understudy, um, and she was fantastic. She was great. Really liked her. I also thought that she, the girl that was playing medium Allison, Lauren Patton, I thought mm-hmm. the look between the two of them and Beth Malone was like great casting. The three of them oh, okay. looked very much like the progression of one person. Good, good. Um, yeah, and Lauren Patton was great. I really enjoyed her performance. She was a very authentic young lesbian. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. She was great. And yeah, I mean, I just love Fun Home. And it's Fun Home. And it's Judy Kuhn. I love watching Judy Kuhn do choreography mm. and saying things. Mm. <laughs> Obviously. I know. Yeah, Judy Kuhn doing that choreography. Right? It's just so funny because it's Judy Kuhn and it's Judy Kuhn, right? And then she's <laughs> like, I'm going to do this fun, upbeat, poppy choreography. I'm dancing. Mm-hmm. It, like, makes me want to see Judy Kuhn as, like, Donna and Mamma Mia because it would just be such a mind fuck and amazing. Oh, my and God. I, I just, like, want to see Judy Kuhn, like, have a lot of fun on stage. Yeah, she's like she's so great and, like, so emotive that she hmm. usually plays these dramatic roles. Mm-hmm. I want to see her in Mamma Mia now. That's my new dream. Yeah, <laughs> wow. I never know I needed to see that. Right? I would love to see that. Could we go back in time and have Judy Kuhn play Violet? <gasps> yes. <laughs> that would be How amazing. How old is Violet supposed to be? Any age. I mean, she could do it. That's what I was just thinking. I was like, why? We don't have to go back in time. Yeah. Yeah. She could just do it now. Right. Yeah. That character yeah. could be any age, really. Yeah. Okay, book it. Book it. <laughs> Sorry. Um Well, have fun, Rebecca Luker. Break your break hearts every day. I know, right? Oof. She's That's gonna be great. So Sometimes I just think about days and days and I cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, fun home so good. Yeah. Uh, I want to see it again. I mean, we got guys, our tickets on oh, TDF. TDF, that's right. It's TDF. Okay, okay. Good to know, good to know. Yeah, and I and it definitely, uh, maybe they only sell standing room if it's completely sold out. We went to a Wednesday matinee. Yeah. Um, so there was, it wasn't sold out. Right. Um, God, I also just, I mean, I thankfully am a person who can sort of separate the energy from the room from my experience, oh, you know, and yeah. still enjoy it's my experience. Hard. But goddamn, those motherfucking Wednesday matinee audiences. <gasps> Jesus. Oh, Everyone was bad. asleep. Just, it was crazy. It's like that song that the kids sing 
welcome, you know, where they're dancing on the yeah. caskets and stuff, which is a fucking laugh riot. And, and yeah. it was like, ha, 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 ha. It was crazy. It was just, it was, I mean, it was all like old white people who That's were just sitting watching the show. <laughs> oh, man. You just feel it. You see these three kids just shaking their asses and working their fucking buns off. And the audience is like. I mean, that well, well done, can. children. Well done. Ugh. And you're like, guys, what the fuck? Also, okay. you know what's fun and interesting is the two boys that play the brothers are still mm-hmm. in it, but both of them <laughs> have grown. Oh, I sure. think I think probably, I mean, who knows, but I would guess that um, Oscar Williams, who plays the older brother, sure. his time is short because he's gotten very tall. Hmm, he's like the same height as, as Judy Kuhn right now, so... Ugh. I can't imagine he'll be in there for much longer, but it's so, it was really cool to see them like, what, like a year later or something. And they, it still works. Yeah. You know, like they're, those, the ages of the brothers and even the age of Allison are not set. Right. They're very fluid and it doesn't really matter. Um, Maybe Zell can graduate to the older brother. Oh, he totally could. Although he, I, I he have still, to say, did he grow so much? Because he's still, such a little he, nugget. He, he, well, he grew. I mean, I, I, I don't know how old, how old is that child? <laughs> Magic age. Like, who knows? Because from perspective, I feel like he, the last time we saw him, he was like five years old or in a yeah. five-year-old body. And now he's in like a seven-year-old body. You yeah, know, six, seven, somewhere like in 10 there. or something. Right, right. But, like, he was so short and cute and had, like, you know, that 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 baby fat roundness. Yeah. Cute. It's just so adorable. But, yeah, no, he's still freaking adorable. He's still – the both of them are still great and, and fantastic. Mm. Oh, speaking of kids, School of Rock did another open call, so that's fun. <gasps> Cool. Shady, my roommate, and her sister saw School of Rock on the Saturday, and Mm -hmm. they loved it, which is also really significant because Shady is like one of her all-time favorite movies is School of Rock. And so I was very – I was not sure how she would feel about it because it's so precious to her. Yeah. Um, But she really liked it. I mean, she agreed with the pitfalls that, you know – yeah, the unnecessary, unnecessary romance yeah. and the weakly drawn female characters Nobody across the board. That. All right, um, but uh, she was like, "It's School of Rock. It's infectious. You can't help but love it." I was like, yeah. "Oh, I'm so glad." I agree. And she bought the souvenir program, so we're gonna oh. put up in the souvenir program. They have a poster that's like the the chalkboard with the musical inspiration map. Amazing, you know. And so yeah. we're gonna we're gonna put that up. Cool. Her cool. her and her sister. We're also looking at it, analyzing it, and then we all got into a big argument about who belongs in the rap section and the validity of the people that they put in the rap section. They're, you know, it's like it's like folk and jazz became R and B, like you know, like that yeah. is how the map is. And so under the section, the you know, the one that's like rap music, and each one has like a couple of artists, you know, next to them. Mm-hmm. And and the one that's rap has like uh, first of all way more artists around the bubble than any of the other ones. But like 
Like, if you're going to put down rap and be like, here's all the musical inspirations that, you know, these people were inspired by the blues before it and the mm-hmm. the hip-hop people after them were inspired by these people and stuff like that. And, like, they put, like, NWA and, like, Ice Cube and LL Cool J. Um, I can't remember. There was, like, a few others. But I was like, you're not going to put, like, Tupac? You're not going to put Tupac? Well, I I don't know how the rest of it was. I guess all those people... Well, NWA was contemporaries of Tupac. But, like, LL Cool J came before Tupac. I I I don't know how it was... I don't know. I understand what you're saying. We got into a big argument about it. it. Also, also, they didn't put ABBA under the disco section. Wow. What is that? What is that? What is that? Do they have Donna Summer at least? Yeah, I think so. Okay, good. So she's the queen of disco. It was like Donna Summer and one other person, but I was like, you're not going to put... And also like, yeah, under the disco section, there was like two or three artists. Most of them had like two or three. And then the rap section had like, I don't know, there's like eight all around the, all around the rap one. Right. But no Tupac, no Biggie. I mean, I could run down and go grab it. Okay. So under rap, we have LL Cool J, Run DMC, Snoop Dogg, Beastie Boys, Ice-T, Ice Cube, NWA, The Ghetto Boys, Public Enemy, and Dr. Dre. No Sugar Hill Gang? (laughs) <laughs> no, I just Tupac Biggie. I don't know. Maybe that's just because I love Tupac and I love Snoop Dogg. But I, I also I wouldn't understand. necessarily put Snoop Dogg on this map as far as like inspirational. I just think he's an amazing rapper. The way that it flows from one thing to the next, those examples don't make sense. Well, well, well. That's that was the other big discussion that was happening. I didn't stay for the whole thing because I had to go, but like. There was lots of talk about people being miscategorized or, you know, and the other thing that's funny is especially, especially with more modern music, I think the genres are so mixed and it's not like you can't really differentiate things like that. Um, But yeah, I I don't think that disco is the inspiration for rap. Mm, I I actually disagree, but then you have to have Sugar Hill Gang on there. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was like a similar sort of beat. Mm. And they came out of like, they were bridging the 70s and the 80s. They were like, you know, early 80s. So, but that's why I was like, no Sugar Hill Gang. That doesn't make any sense. Right, right. And because it was like, I don't know, a 12-minute record or something like that. And disco songs were, because they were meant for the club. So they would like play forever. Hmm. Anyway. I don't know. They oh, didn't here, think here. It oh, That's I, found, my guess. I found Sugar Hill Gang. Oh, I'm good. sorry. They are under hip hop. Oh, okay. I see the difference. Oh, I didn't know there was a hip hop category. <laughs> but the hip hop category comes after the rap category. The rap is the inspiration for the hip hop. Under hip hop, no. they put Sugar Hill Gang, Eric B. and Rakim, Salt and Pepper, and Dougie Fresh. Okay. I don't. That chronologically doesn't even make sense, though. Those people are before. I know. Like <laughs> Snoop Dogg. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. I guess they just didn't think it through. <laughs> right. I think we're thinking this way. We're overthinking this. <laughs> well, of course. Of course. Because this was just sort of, this is supposed, this is rock history. And it's just. Well, and let's also consider the fact that it's put together 
by an idiot who has no teaching experience. So mm, it's not mm, a surprise mm. that it makes no actual sure, sense. Sure, sure. Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. If you are like, we have to believe that Dewey is the one that made this and not it wasn't made by the creators for accuracy. Sure. Right. Uh, because I have to say like shady, like reading that, you know, reading through her whole, uh, uh, color program, which is, looks like a record. It's super cute. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <clears throat> I, she was like really, uh, her, her takeaway was that the people that wrote this movie and musical love the music. Like she loves it, you know? Mm-hmm. That there, it's an authentic love and the understanding of the music, which is great. Overnight, while we were all sleeping, the Olivier Awards were nominations were announced. Ooh. Um, as usual, they're like weird, and I don't understand them. But you <laughs> know, some shows that we like and are interested in were nominated. Kinky Boots got a bunch of nominations. That's good. Yeah, and in the Heights, uh, for some reason. First- for for some reason, I thought that, I don't know, whatever. I don't understand how the Olivier's work. Kinky Boots feel like that's been in London for such a long time. But, you know. Eh. Yeah, I I sort of had that same instinct, but I don't know. When, I didn't look up the date. I didn't know when it started. Well, congratulations, Kinky Boots. Mm-hmm. In the Heights got a bunch of nominations, too, which I think is, I mean, it totally makes sense, and it happens over here when a show's been there for a long time, but, like... Wait, In the Heights premiered in the West End? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, man, I had no idea. I don't know if there's any plans to transfer, but um, Bend It Like Beckham also got a bunch of nominations, so I would be super interested for that to come over. Same. Uh... Gypsy got a bunch too, you know. Of Melda. course, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think those are sort of the only shows of interest to us currently. Mark Rylance, fresh off his Oscar nominate or his Oscar win, got a nomination. Okay, so like I didn't actually really watch the Oscars last night, but my roommate right. was watching it, and I was baking biscuits, so I kept dipping in and out. And when I dipped in, when Mark Rylance's category came up, and Shady was like, "Emily Sylvester Stallone's about to win an Oscar because she <laughs> has a very clear tally. You know, she's tallying everything, what her predictions were, and her accuracy." Sure. And based on the numbers and what shows what had won what, she was like, I'm positive that Sylvester Sloan is going to win this. And I got really excited. He was also sort of, I think, the, the favorite. everybody thought the favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, oh, Mark Rylance, he always gives the best crazy speeches. And then she was, you know, she was like, I love upsets. This is so crazy. And I was like, we're about to see an amazing crazy speech. And then it, and then it was just pretty, pretty normal. Yeah, I know. It was like very sincere. It was completely, I understood all of his words and what they meant. Right. And like he, he did a very sweet, I actually thought of you because he was like, I have no idea how anyone can measure my performance Mm, against mm. your performances or our performances against anyone else's performances. I did like that. Thank you for this award. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. It was funny. I was expecting him to 
spout gibberish like the last. I mean, yeah. I, I wanted to go back and watch his Tony speeches too. Yeah, maybe he just read the crowd and was like, "Reading a crazy poem is not going to fly." <laughs> I'll save that for the Tony Awards. I don't Funny. know. I know. I thought it was going to be a crazy speech too. Did you see that Brian Darcy James was on stage? I know at the Oscars. It's pretty exciting that Brian Darcy James got to be on stage at the Oscars with the best winner. It's basically like when we got to be at the Memphis Tony party. Yeah. You know, where mm-hmm. you're just like, I'm so excited. I mean, obviously he was actually involved in the project. He was in the movie, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little different. But it's cool. Yeah. So, I don't know. Mark Rylance probably has a million Olivier's, but maybe he'll huh. win another one. <laughs> I don't that's all I really have to say about the Olivier's. Yep. Nominations. They're weirdly sponsored like the Virgin Atlantic Best New Play. Good luck everybody. Yeah, right? I don't know. Bring <laughs> Bennett like Beckham over here. Yes, please. Carolee, 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 Carolee. Update. We had lunch with Carolee Carmelo this week. What? What? That's the most important Carolee Carmelo update ever. I didn't dream that? Nope, you didn't dream it. And I didn't dream it either. Even more bizarre. It was real. We had lunch with Carolee Carmelo this week because we have a project, a a little thing that we're working on that involves her that we're, you know, we were touching base with her and it's really exciting stuff. I don't know. I don't want to spoil anything. No Mm -hmm. spoilers. But basically something in the near future with Carolee Carmelo and us is happening, which is just, I'm sure everyone's shitting their pants right now. Yeah. If you guys, you know, if you put in a good six years of hard work on the internet (laughs) and then create a, you know, a small media empire, maybe you two can have lunch with Carolee Carmelo. Yes. Yes. Media empire. (laughs) I said small. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's time for the Audra McDonald Tweet of the Week. On February 27th at 2.16 p.m., Audra McDonald tweeted, This is a real text that I had to send to my stage managers a few moments ago. And there's a screen grab. And at 2.10, she texted, Hi, guys. I'm locked in my dressing room bathroom and can't get out. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) And then stage manager Jason said, On my way. Oh, my God. So funny. Stars are just like us. Ugh. They lock themselves in the bathroom. Like 100-year-old theater problems. They take their phone to the bathroom with them. Yeah. I mean, a lesson to us all. <laughs> Always take your phone to the bathroom. You never know if you'll get locked in. Exactly. I mean, what would she have done? She would just have to, like, start singing, and everyone would be like, oh, Audrey's <laughs> warming up. She's <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty hilarious. Oh, stay safe, Audra. God, I'm Install so some sort of new lock on that door. I know. <laughs> also, I mean, she's Audra McDonald, so it's not surprising, but she has a dressing room with a private bathroom. Well, of course. I think I, I thought my my understanding was that any of the star dressing rooms have their own bathrooms, and then I like, think that's generally true, but I guess smaller, it depends on the theater. Right, yeah, I guess so. And then I guess I always thought that if you were you were one of the people that ha- got to have their own dressing room, I guess it depends. Yeah. They always have like a sink in them. Right, we got to wash off your makeup. <laughs> wash off that cold cream. 
I mean, it's funny because I feel like based on Instagrams that we've seen from different people at different times in different theaters, some of the theaters have like, like, like when BB Newirth was in the Adams family, I remember seeing pictures from her dressing room and being like, what the fuck? Do you have like a suite? Like she had, it was like a, she had like a living room and then like a dressing room and a bathroom. Yeah. Like it was huge. Well, my friend Mike Harrison is a, a designer, and I don't now. Now he's like become Broadway's go-to dressing room designer. <gasps> I don't know how they met, or maybe they knew each other. But he started. He did Leslie Odom Jr.'s dressing room in Hamilton. That sort of got some press. So now, anyway, he's become super fancy, <laughs> and he did Lupita Nyong'o's dressing room. But he said her receiving room. So I think Uh it's like a similar sort of thing. Like she'll have her dressing room. And then when she's, you know, Oscar winner Lupita Nyong'o is like, I will now receive my after show guests. Whoa. So I guess it depends, especially if you're in like a play that doesn't have a huge cast and you're used to having, you have a theater that's set up to house casts of 40 people. Right. There's extra rooms to go around. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I didn't know you could have a job designing people's dressing rooms. I don't think he knew that either. You know, I think it just sort of happened. He's a great designer, so he knew someone, and then that sort of he's in the hottest show of the season, so oh, it man. got picked up. So cool. Yeah. Uh so I wonder if he did Audra's. <laughs> <laughs> She probably has like her own stuff that she does brings with her, mm. you know. Like Carolee has that chair, that right, that Broadway starring chair. Yeah, she, she has. A, I think her. a lot of the stuff in her dressing room is like her dressing room stuff. Right. Well, and I feel like the people that I've seen Mike designing dressing rooms for are people who you know, like Lupita. It's her first time on Broadway, or mm. Leslie. Probably this is his like biggest dressing room. I would maybe mm. guess, you know, yeah. maybe even his first solo one. I don't leap of faith. He may or may not have had like a featured men dressing room. I don't know. Right. Anyway, Audra's got a bathroom. You go, Audra. I can't wait to see this show. Me too. Be careful, Audra. Take care of yourself. That's our show. Until next week, you can follow us on Twitter at, at Patty, the letter N, Emily, Patty, N, Emily. You can follow us individually at Patty with Y and at Emily Faye Oakley and find us anywhere else on the internet by searching Patty and Emily. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, rate us and leave us a comment and we'll read it on the show. Send us your topic suggestions, questions, dreamcasts, etc. And in the meantime, go, go see live theater. theater.